0: to Spirit Walking with Asa Hoffman, this is another episode of Perspectives on the Reemergence, um, and tonight I have uh, a very special guest, she's a good friend of mine, Anna Bounds, who is a writer, professor, and she's a prepper, and she's written a book that uh, actually I believe launched today, we'll find out in a minute, um, but her new book is Bracing for the Apocalypse, uh, it's an ethnographic study of New York preppers subculture. Anna, thank you so much for being here with me tonight.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here in the middle of a pandemic and a heat wave and social unrest and high unemployment and you name
0: it. Yeah, it's been... And summer. And summer. And a heat wave where I am. I don't know about where you are, but it's been a heat wave here. It was 97 yesterday Uh, and today pretty thick with humidity as well. So not so Today,
1: Today was a cool 101.
0: 100? oh wow. So where are you right now? At the um,
1: right now I'm in Virginia. I'm here spending some time with my dad. I haven't seen my dad since actually Valentine's Day. We celebrated that. I had some friends over um, um, and we celebrated Valentine's at my father's, and I haven't seen him since then. So I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad to be talking to everybody, and I'm glad to be seeing my dad.
0: Yeah, it must be so nice to get some time with family. How has your family been? How have you been through this? like let's let's first start there, of course.
1: Well, um, as soon as you said, how, how have you been, I had this rush of emotion of all the things that that that, that I have felt, um, which I'm sure is similar to everyone else. It's been a very, it's it's alternated between being a very stressful period about you being frightened for your family, frightened for your country, and then in other moments, so grateful for what you have and who you're with. And I think, you know, all of us have gone, you know, have gone through periods uh, like that. Um, We actually started, you know, given that, you know, I've completed this ethnography and uh, given my, you know, knowledge of prepping, we actually started prepping. um, We actually started preparing for the pandemic um, mid January. And then um, I think the last, no, I think the first week of March, which was three weeks before New York uh, moved to sheltering in place. We were already sheltering in place.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, you know what? Since you're here, what got you into prepping? Can we talk a little about, like, what is prepping? And what got you into it?
1: Sure. Okay. Well, my my book is about um, New York preppers and trying to figure out why so many New Yorkers now are interested in prepping. Um, And so what's prepping? Well, prepping is... uh, basically trying to learn survival skills, bushcraft skills, sheltering in place skills to try to help protect your family during uh, times of crisis, during disaster. Um, In other words, trying to figure out what you can do to try to help your family because you become fearful that the government um, um, is going to be overwhelmed and unable to help you. So that, I'm sorry, please.
0: No, please, by all means.
1: I was going to say that that relates directly to New York, because when we take a look at our, our the recent history of our city, really since September um, 11th, we have experienced so many different types of disasters, all of the types of disasters actually that preppers are concerned with, things like natural disasters, terrorist attacks, Um it used to be fear of pandemics, now it's um, um uh, Pandemics, we've all experienced a pandemic, uh, government and social unrest, technological collapse. When we think about our recent history, we have hit at this point, Asa, all five of those.
0: And my Sorry. question, how many years ago, because it's been a while that I remember that you started talking about this. So about how many years has it been since you started to turn your attention towards prepping?
1: I started to turn my attention um, to to prepping and to trying to figure out what it was all about because I could see that city dwellers were doing things so differently and they were and the, and the kind of people that I met were were just so different from the stereotype that we have in our minds of preppers. Um, I started really researching for the book. I started trying to get my mind around the idea of prepping and trying to be better prepared myself. Around I'll say 2013, I started writing the book um in 2017 and i spent two years um really studying prepping and researching and interviewing and engaging in participant observation in other words going out there you know with a prepping group and and trying to figure out what it was all about so it's been um it's been quite a while
0: yeah and uh and actually just to be clear so this is a part of you know your sociology professor at Queens College and this is a part of like an academic project for you that you also are making available like on Amazon it's gonna it's it's a pretty accessible academic project actually from what I gather
1: yeah absolutely it was really important for me given you know given um, the state of the nation um, and uh, given um, uh, uh, all the things that have happened in New York um, and given the fact that I'm a sociologist and we're committed to the idea of of Making learning accessible—the idea of broadening, speaking to the whole community, not just academics. I wrote—I wrote, a, I wrote um, an ethnography that's in, in first person. In other words, it deals with um, much of it deals with you know my my experience. Um, you know, I, I wanted something that was meaningful for me. You know, something that wouldn't sit on the library shelf. I think that I'm really lucky and my job are, are fortunate blessed um because in the kind of work that i do as as a professor i can teach things that are meaningful i can teach things that that make it make a difference um, and i can also conduct research that that is meaningful that helps improve people's lives. Kind of my mission for teaching, and I've explained this to my students before. Um, so if I have any students on there tonight, hello. Um, the the message that I have for for my students is, I think the goal of learning is trying to change the way you know the world. And I, I think I'm doing that with this this book. I mean, my my experience has certainly changed you know, the way I think about my life as a New Yorker, and you know the way that I think about what I'm capable of, you know, like when I dig deep, okay, when when it's the moment, when it's time to be on, you know, figuring out that, you know, I, I'm much more courageous than I think, and, and, and have that sense of self-reliance than I originally, you know, than I think at the start of this book, and you can see me doing my hands like this because I'm ready to go, yay, me, yeah, because, <laughs> but-
0: yeah. Tell me something that uh, that you discovered that you could do that you maybe didn't know about yourself.
1: Um,
0: in this process, or a way that you showed up maybe in this process, or had to oh yeah,
1: up. no, no, I, I, I'm thinking about, um, I'm, i you know, thinking about all the, the different examples. Um, um, one of the ways is that you know did did cool learn cool things like how to make fire, um, which wasn't very easy, but learning how to do that. Um, learning how to um
0: now wait a minute yeah tell me what you mean by make fire
1: actually like make fire in other words to be able to have a a a nest of tender and have you know a piece of flint steel and just a feral rod and a knife and do it and make it happen
0: so you're literally without the match without the lighter you're making fire now
1: yeah, I can do it. Yeah, uh, sometimes it takes me a little while, but yeah, I, I I can do it. But here's the most important thing that 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 I that I've learned that speaks to a lot of the different examples, and I think it's kind of a message that I want. You know, since we're you know dealing with you know the pandemic and thinking about reemergence and thinking about adaptation, one of the things that I really want to share with people is 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 a sentence that is a phrase that one of one of uh, the preppers, his name is Marlin, taught me. Um. He used to always say, Prepping, uh, the practice of prepping, the doing it, the learning, learning all these things is to help you get comfortable in the discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned from all of this because now, you know, like when the pandemic r- approached, I didn't, you know, there wasn't a moment where I, you know, panicked and waited for weeks and thought, what should I do? What, you know, what would a person, sh- what should I be doing? You know, I knew it right away. And most of it I had already done. So the whole idea of of feeling that I have a stronger sense of, of self-reliance, um, a sense of uh, uh, a better, you know, th- that that I've already gone through these experiences, that I have some courage to be able to be the uh, woman for the moment. So mm. let's see.
0: Interesting, because I actually also think um, meditating and evolving ourselves spiritually and becoming more conscious and aligned in ourselves is about becoming more comfortable in the discomfort. Because life on Earth is truly uncomfortable and full of polarities, right? And, and, And while we have moments, you know, uh, many people think the spiritual process is about being able to hold on to those positive moments longer. And I think that actually becoming more connected or more aligned is about becoming more comfortable in your own being so that those moments actually don't really matter as much. They don't define you nearly as much as what is happening inside of you. Absolutely. So it's a form, yes. The form of getting uncomfortable in the discomfort.
1: Right. And I think that, um, yeah, it's it's about getting comfortable, right? You know, the idea of being grounded. And I think that our work, um has definitely contributed um um, has definitely contributed to that particularly in terms of of meditation the kind of of skills um that um i have learned through the authentic creative series. authentic creator series may i talk about that for just a moment
0: oh yeah so for people who don't know the authentic creator series is a uh a workshop series that i created with marjorie fine uh and we've been teaching it over the last couple years actually this is from the authentic creator series right here, the medicine circle on the wall uh, from one of our workshops. And has uh, um, been to all of them actually. And there are these uh, really powerful weekends where we really connect and align with the creative forces that are in nature that, that exist within us and how to align ourselves with that and recognize that each and every one of us is a creator, whether we are an artist, a lawyer, a sociology professor, we are all creators in the world. So how do we align with that to create what we're here to create for ourselves? So absolutely. Bring it on. Yeah,
1: Yeah, well, I want to say I think that you, I'm very excited about my book. I've learned a lot about prepping, but one of the things that I want everyone to understand tonight, since I know I feel like we're kind of a family, since a lot of us meditate on Mondays together, and we also, um, um, you have what what is this is like speaker number 616, right? We've been doing this for some time now. Uh, One of the things that, that I really want everyone to know is that in writing this book, the Authentic Creator series, was really crucial to me and in, in my the whole experience of my being you know experience trying to learn prepping and then my trying to learn how to be a better writer how to be more present how to be more focused how to be more in control of my creative energy those are hand in hand I couldn't do one without the other. So one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to toast everyone and I wanted to say thank you very much to everyone who's attended the workshops with me, everyone who's meditated um, um, with the group every Monday and who has attended the talks because this is an important milestone for, for me, but not really for me, for all of us. Because there is no way I could have written this book and, and have have kept the faith without everyone who's here tonight. So I just want to say thank you, and I and I want to express a, a special gratitude for ASA for teaching me so many writing skills in a way to harness my creativity so that I could be disciplined enough to write this book. So cheers, everybody!
0: I didn't bring a drink this time. That's all, right. oh, That's all right.
1: That's all right. I'm nervous. A drink will help me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: That's great. Thank you. I'm glad that it was uh, it was impactful, right? And it's a community. And it, it you know it's also remembering that everything we do is is a community effort. We all need our support yeah. around this. You know?
1: Listen. Yeah. Um,
0: so you know, obviously, you're the one that actually sat down and did the work and went out and camped in the woods and did all that. But but the fact of the matter is, you know, our community helps and impacts so much our ability to take that and channel it into something.
1: Yeah. Um, absolutely. May I just give one quick example oh, yeah. about, the, about? I call it ACS, about the series that was so helpful because, yes, I'm the person that sat down and did the work, but I needed to be able to have some kind of structure for sitting down and doing that. But one of the most helpful things for me was the 28-day um, cycle, taking a, taking a look at the moon and the waxing and the waning energy and trying to be able to write according to that. For me, that was a game changer because it made me understand, you know, my whole, the ebbs and flows of my writing so much more. So
0: right on,
1: right on.
0: We did a 28-day moon challenge that was a journaling process or a writing uh, exercise, depending on where you were, uh, for in alignment with the moon and in alignment with what phase the moon was in. So yes, that was really a lot of fun. All right, I have more prepping questions. So I have uh, uh, prepping do's and don'ts. Can I ask you some prepping do's and don'ts?
1: <clears throat> Let me just say this about prepping. When people think about preparing for disasters, there's two strategies that you take. Right? One is that you um, operate under the assumption that you're going to have to leave, um, and that is called bugging out, in other words, leaving the city um, for New Yorkers, and preppers sometimes prepare to do that by practicing, by packing, learning how to pack a go a bug out bag, which we'll talk talk about um, in a moment, but basically con- contains all the emergency supplies that you would like to have. Everything from water and food rations to first aid kits to um, special medication that you may need, an extra pair of glasses, tarp, rain poncho, a whole variety of things. So that's kind of one one way. And then the other way is the one that we're all kind of doing right now is sheltering in place, and that's um, developing enough provisions, um, enough things that are, are meaningful to your family to be able to shelter in place, which is really what we're all doing right now, and I think when we think about the reemergence, um, um, we're thinking about two things. We're thinking about the idea of of um, well, I guess it's really just one idea. Trying to figure out how we shelter in place and you know different degrees um, until a vaccine is developed. Um, and and. Uh, or other treatment. Are uh, other our other forms of treatment. Right,
0: yeah. because also we might, you know, the vaccine is not the only answer. There is a possibility that we'll get good at treating COVID oh, and we'll, we'll come up with effective treatments, in which case then it becomes a, you know, before we even get to a place where we have a vaccine.
1: Yes, and that's an important par, uh, an important point of clarification. And, and I took a pause for a moment because I, I realized in trying to set that sentence up, I was giving us only one option when there are many options.
0: Well, I think it's the option that's been put out there by, listen, early on with the government, I mean, it's been stuffed in our face. I just think that, you know, generally take a long time, uh, aren't always the right solution, might be the right solution. And there are also many medical groups or other groups that are looking at what are different ways of dealing with this. There's also a lot of alternative now and natural approaches that are being taken towards COVID. And some of them are really proven to be quite effective. So... You know, it's going to be interesting to find out in the end what what actually is effective and, and how we best deal with it as we go forward. You know, and I think the truth is, and that's what makes this time so interesting. We're in a time where, you know, I mean, I'm a freaking psychic and I'm going to tell you the future is not predictable. It's There's so many variables that are going on right now. We're in a time where, you know, we have to be careful to not over project into the future what we think is going to happen we we're, of course we need to be looking into the future right so we can direct our path and and uh and be solution oriented but at the same time if we get too attached to any one solution we're not present for what's happening and we're not going to be present to pivot when we need to so that's amen. why I bring those things up you know i think it's such an important thing people have to shift their minds and broaden it and open it and realize that there's there's more than what's being put right in front of them you know
1: amen brother <laughs> <laughs> no um, I, I I agree with you I think I I, I um yeah I, I agree with everything that you've said and so when we think about prepping do's and don't and I think I was just kind of trying to okay this is just talk okay this is me putting it out on the table I think that um and thinking about the talk today I think that the idea of a vaccine, even though we know there are other options and things came to mind, because then I was trying to, you know, think about our conversation today. Um, and reading the newspaper and taking a look at and, you know, and taking a look at, you know, the current, you know, uh, and I know we we won't get to, you know, we won't get into politics, but taking a look at the you, you want know, to go? Okay, the the current the current administration, and I was trying to find like trying to frame in my way, a way of conversation, uh, uh, basically talk about various elements of support. And I really wasn't feeling particularly uh, grounded in uh, the federal <laughs> government. So I think I went for vaccination instead. But you're right, there are a lot of things going on. Here's the most important piece of advice that I have about prepping do's and don'ts. Um, The advice that I have for people is before you rush and start doing things, uh, this is what I want you to keep in mind. This sentence. Take stock. Just don't stock up. Right. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, we've already been, you know, through several months now where we're in we're, we're, you know, in, in the throes of sheltering in place. Think about that experience before you know and, and re-emerging and thinking about making preparations um, for um, for concerns that we may have you know for uh, for um uh the continuation or another spike in the fall um think about things that your family eats your family enjoys the way that you live um and that means stepping outside of advertising Stepping outside of things that you see at the, on the store, at the store or that you receive, you know, in the grocery store or mess emails that you receive online that say, this is the perfect emergency kit for you. These are the emergency supplies that you need. Here's what will help save the day. Try to step outside of that and listen to your heart and your mind. Again, you know, focus on meditating, focus on grounding and trying to really get a sense of what works for you. Like for example, one of the um, big do the big do's that I have for me was that, um, you know, given my experience with prepping, um, I thought carefully about the different things that we like to eat. I didn't buy vats of, you know, orange goo, you know, that happened to be on sale at Costco or Sam's Club or, you know, where anywhere else. Um, I thought about, you know, things that we might like to have, things that matter to us. And I bought, believe it or not, this fits in New York apartments. I bought a small chest freezer and put different supplies in there to make sure that we had enough food to eat, which was particularly, and it didn't, you know, overpower the living room or the, um, or you can even store it in your bedroom. But the fact was, it saved us from um, having to uh, go outside um, when it was best that we stayed inside, and also it helped us deal with shortages better. So think about what you might like to have. Um, Not just what you need, but things that are meaningful to you. Whether it's a really good book, maybe something you've always wanted to read. Um, uh, Maybe it's a particular type of uh, sweet treat. Maybe it's some booze, right? (laughs) Maybe, whatever the case may be. Give, give Give yourself permission to have those. Remember, this is about getting comfortable and in a stressful situation. So make sure that you have that. And by now you've probably figured out, you know, in terms of those kinds of provisions, what, what your family needs. But the big don't, the big mistake that I made that I'm making changes for, in, for that I'm making changes for now as we kind of continue to shelter in place, or let's say take breaks, take a break from our regular hustle and bustle might be the way to think about it for New York. One of the things that I realized was I wasn't respecting my daily routine, and I wasn't respecting the way that I live. And the fact that all of that now was going to be conducted within a box, right, within my apartment. And what I needed to do, and which I'm in the process of doing, is making sure that I have a good flow, a good flow for the day. And what I mean by that is rearranging my my um, space, my, um, my uh, flow of living, um, re- rearranging my space, rearranging my furniture, decluttering, getting rid of things streamlining um, to make sure that, you know, as we continue and the weather starts to get colder and we're inside more um, that I have a designated place for work since I'm a professor, you know, and I do engage in virtual teaching to make sure that I've let my family know that I'm going to be busy from, you know, 10 to 12 teaching or doing research or whatever, so that they'll understand that that's, uh, Reserve time for me, so that you know someone won't come and say, "Hey, you know, uh, uh, how about we do this?" Or I can't find the screwdriver. Or Hey, I'm hungry. How about we make lunch? You know, the idea of of, of cutting out, t- uh, of designating space in terms of your energy, right? And it also physically, you know, designating a workspace, designating a space for working out, designating a space for you know TV watching. All those that's, different things.
0: Well, that's one of the big ones I was going to say. I think movement. I think that uh, that people were, you know, for for all the people that prepped and got food and all these things to to sit in and they got ready for their Netflix and being on the couch, but so many people forgot to connect with like, oh, how am I going to actually get the movement in that I need? You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's a big one. And I think that a part of prepping is, you know, if you're one of those people that was thrown off, it's like. You know, now we've been in this long enough, it's time to, first of all, get back engaged in your movement, but also oh, yeah. sort of thinking about, you know, what are different programs, what are, you know, some of the calisthenics maybe, or yoga activities, whatever the case may be, you know, connecting with what is movement going to be for me if I'm not, if I don't really have access to a gym, if we go into these periods that our life doesn't just become, I mean, either are moving and I'm out in mountain, the world or I'm home and I'm still, you know, and not, not moving physically at all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that was a big one. Um I'm, I'm curious. You know, with this, uh, you know, I actually wrote this down because I wanted to make sure I remembered to ask this, you know, because you had been prepping long before. Like, as I remember, you have a prepping chest. Is that right? Do I remember that correctly? There's a prepping chest. Yeah, yeah, I now Uh, have. Yeah, it's
1: exceeded a little bit beyond that. But yeah, I had a really great chest from the 1800s that had all these drawers and had all these supplies in, which I still still do have. It's just now, you know, I've created, I've given some uh, more closet space to that too.
0: for you you also like in case like really bad shit happens like you've got a tent to go in the woods if i remember correctly and you know you're ready ready to survive in many conditions um but my condition is my my question is uh given this pandemic and what's happening now uh what are the things you would have done differently what are the things that you discovered maybe that that uh through this that you're like oh shit didn't think of that one
1: (laughs) Well, there, there, there are two things well first let me tell you the one that i think is is really interesting i'm I'm now inter um, um i'm now i'm um, talking interviewing um preppers and trying to figure out what they think surprised them what didn't work for them and these are early days in the research but here's the biggest concern that they have that they had everything all set like you said in terms of provisions and supplies but one of the things that they didn't think about was um teaching their children You know, being responsible, not just for home tasks, but also trying to figure out not just how to be a good parent, but how to be a good teacher and how to deal with virtual teaching and how to, you know, think for yourself. You know, when you're trying to teach your child and and you don't have access to a lot of research resources, how to go online and figure out how to teach your child the geometry that you forgot all about. Right. Or, you know, it are, you know, many, you know, many other things. So that's a big thing, right? Trying to figure out how we're dealing with technology, both in terms of our own learning, um, teaching of children, and communicating with um, and uh, communicating with people online. That was a real game changer because there had there. I have attended many prepping, you know, workshops and lectures that dealt with water filtration and first aid and how to build your own trauma, you know, kit and how to deal with serious injuries. But no one has ever, you know, had a meeting about something that i think is really important the whole idea of 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 uh fatigue of virtual meetings right of getting burned out that's something that's a new that's a new game you know for preppers and it's a new game for all of us there's a a really good book that priya parka priya parker wrote um that deals with trying to figure out how we all gather it's called the art of gathering and meetings and things and one of the the big issues that i think is for that that i think is important for all of us when it comes to prepping and thinking about sheltering in place and all of us trying to work from home and she makes the argument that when it comes to gathering and you know think about all the virtual meetings we have and things that we don't need to that it's not about that we don't need to gather more that we need to gather better yes and i think that's a big take-home for all of us
0: well that's one of the things I'm really curious to see what happens as, as you know we're watching companies I mean the whole face of the workforce is is changing before our eyes and in ways that you know we can see and in ways we have no idea of course um, but one of the ways that we can see is that a lot of these companies are going to be going like oh wow people actually will work from home and get their work done and, and oh wait they might even be more productive and we don't have to spend all this money having people in an office all the time and and I think there's the real positives of that you know on the other hand i do think there's you know uh 2d fatigue you know which you know being in these zoom meetings and talking like this all day long and people need you know there's there's a sense there's community but only different than when you actually get together and i think uh what's going to be interesting to see is how companies evolve to create community how space evolves to create community you know because right. that, that's really, if we're going to be really successful at this and, and expand it, I think that's going to be really an important part of that expansion, which is bringing people together in new and different ways to connect them with one another, not worrying nearly as much about people being in the office so we can watch them to make sure they're doing their stuff because, you know, most people go to work to work, right? It's it's yeah. actually bringing them together so that they have the connection that they need to one another
1: and hey, to so one another. Yeah, I agree with the ace of that sense of community. You know what, that was something that was really hard for me as a teacher, because one of the highs that I get, the thing that makes me realize I have a good work day is when I've connected with my students and we've had a good, you know, and, and we've had a good class. Not, you know, trying to be able to regage that and to connect with my students online, man, that was a whole different game. That was really hard. That was something that, you know, I, I, I need to work on. And when I say work on, I, I, it wasn't that I don't think that you know they didn't master the objectives for the class, but the way that you know I was able to connect with them, you know, because when you know sometimes students you know would just instead of would just put their a photo up instead of you know face to face, and when you teach, uh, you rely a lot on nonverbal. So and I think we all do in our jobs. So that's kind of we're going to be learning that a little bit different, you know, a little bit differently.
0: Um, How. Uh... How big are some of your online classes? I know in in person they can be very large. How big are some well, are
1: your? well that that was what that was one of the concerns. Um, well, I, uh, fortunately, I taught an um, um, uh, Macaulay Honors class last semester, and we only had about twenty students in there. And then I taught an, another really special course, um, the Queens College course, which is for second year of Queens Queens College community course, which is for um, community college students who um, uh, who've just community college graduates, people who've just received their associates who are now going into four years, a four-year college, I had the privilege of teaching them and that was all about creating community. So we worked really, you know, so, and that was about 30 students. No, excuse me, that was about 20, 20 as well. But usually my big research methods course, Asia, you know, that has like a hundred people in there. I know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't mean to throw up my hands in the air, we're gonna have labs and smaller discussions, but, you know, I think that I'm probably going to hold in addition to um, um, regular office hours. I think I'm going to try and make myself more available and hold one-on-ones with students, you know, according to their schedule and really, you know, connect with them.
0: So coming this fall, you're going to be having classes that will have 100 students in it.
1: Um, I, will, I will probably have, yes, uh, under under normal circumstances this fall, though, um, I'll be conducting um, research um, because I'm going to be um, uh, uh, writing, uh, working on some projects related to COVID um, and, and trying to take a look at how preppers are responding to those. Because an important thing about preppers isn't just that they know what to do with their families, but they're also fantastic networkers and they're an important part of community resilience and they really help their communities. So that whole myth about preppers being these isolated, you know, alienated folks with beers who only talk to themselves, you know, no, way different. You know, well, they're, they're out there doing the work.
0: Well, since you're there, actually, since you went there and <laughs> we went <Sorry>. to <laughs> preppers, let's talk about uh, mainstream prepping as opposed to crazy prepping. <laughs> let's do, yeah. yeah,
1: Okay. Uh, I, I, okay.
0: Where's that line? Or you don't have to have. Yeah,
1: where's that line? Maybe, maybe think
0: like, where's that? That's an interesting line, right? Have you uh, yeah. So, have you experienced uh, anybody riding that line during the your you know research while you were out there, sort of camping and involved in the prepping groups? Uh,
1: Yeah. there's um I'm just pausing for a minute because um there, yeah. there's so many different ways to to talk about this but, <laughs> but here's the, here, here's the thing here's the big here here's i think one of the coolest i think most important things that I learned about this project I uh, learned not i don't want to say for this project but learning about prepping was again that New yorkers do this because of direct Experience. A lot of them have been on the short end of the stick in situations like, you know, September 11th, or Hurricane Sandy, or the blackout. So they've realized, wait a minute, you know, I, I need to, to, to figure out how to take care of all, you know, I need to figure out how to take care of the their families. And I'm laughing because that's kind of what brought me to prepping. And I don't really think we talked about it. I think I got off the subject. Yeah, I was just you know coming up short. You know, September 11th. Um, the blackout, uh, Hurricane Sandy, you know, I was always the person who had, you know, the flashlight, but no batteries, or then maybe the bat- the batteries, or no flashlight, peanut butter, no bread, right? I was always that person, you know, because I grew up in the South, and we were always worried about hurricanes here, right? Yes.
0: Um,
1: and the funny thing is, I was so glad when I you know, moved to New York, because I thought, oh, I don't have to worry about hurricanes anymore, but I never really worried about them in the first place because my father is in the—he's well, a retired sailor. You know, my father is a military man, and so we always had items in our house. We were always, you know, you know, prepared. I didn't do the preparing. You know, in some ways, there was a lot of sexism going on. It was my dad, you know, the father, the husband, taking care of all of that. You know, so anyway, so this whole idea of 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 trying to, you know, survive when things in the city started to change. You know, it, was, it was it was a big deal. It was a big deal for me. So when we think about prepping in the popular American culture, and a lot of this comes from television and movies and and even commercials, we see um, a prepper as uh isolated individual. You know, usually there's a stereotype of the crazy rural, you know, white guy with the beard and the crazy hair, you know, living in a bunker, right? With all of his, you know, Of food and guns and ammunition. It's an old school view, though. It's an old school view, old school view, but still very prevalent because prepping still has a stigma. But I would say that's old school. In that case, people think, "Oh, the government's I'm prepping because the government's coming for me." And whereas mainstream preppers, um, uh, particularly New Yorker New York preppers, are fascinating because many of them are people of color. Um, Preppers aren't aren't necessarily the the white, old, you know rural guy, that stereotype. Preppers are um, black, Preppers are Mexican. Preppers are Asian, Preppers are old, Preppers are young, Preppers are rich, Preppers are poor. Um, it's very mainstream. Um, if you think, If you don't think prepping's mainstream, I, I'll, let me let me ask you to reflect on two things. There's over a million things right now I mean, in terms of manuals and supplies that you can buy on Amazon related to prepping. Okay. when you go to Costco they have a whole section of prepping supplies I shouldn't say Costco I'll say to you know a large you, you know box savings store like that um, and when you look at the Pottery barn catalog there's a luxury go bag. Oprah's uh, Oprah's favorite things that Christmas gift holiday gift list that she creates every year yeah. uh, the one that comes out in December that people go crazy for. Last year, she had a bug-out bag on there, a luxury bug-out bag that was
0: $500.
1: (laughs) A rural, crazy white guy isn't buying that, right? Check it out online, it's beautiful. Amazon still sells it, it's gorgeous. I don't think that the supplies are necessary, well, I think that you might be better off packing your own supplies and probably save a lot lot more money, but uh, people are doing it now, it's just a secret. It's just a secret. Look, with this pandemic, we're all preppers now.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a big one. We're all preppers now. We all have to start thinking about what that means to us. And and it we're not all gonna prep the same way or to the same degree. No. Nope. Um and nope. that's okay too. But it is yeah. about being in tune with the fact that the world is is maybe not as stable as we we uh, allow ourselves to believe it is at times. You know, and it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to believe that it's all unstable and falling apart either, right? It's oh. it's, uh, right. It's right. understanding that we are in a natural world that has, you know, and, and an unnatural world, actually. Politics, our medical world, some of the research that's happening out there, you know, there are so many variables of what could happen. Um, yeah. And I think it's waking up to the fact that more and more now, as, and especially, I mean, I do, Personally, I think that there's more and more things that are happening uh, in the shadows, you know, that are potentially dangerous to us, you know, that we don't even know that are happening out there, um, like research and laboratories with COVID-19, you know, um, and and uh, and so it's it's more important to realize, like, you know, your government can't always protect you, you know, it's just not, and it may not protect you, period. I mean, you know, even counting on that in the first place. And so. It may not want to. That's right. So how do we take care of ourselves and how do we, without yeah. having to be suspicious and just believe that, oh, the government's out to get me, but also at the same time realize whether they're out to get you or not, they, they may not be there for you when you think that they need to be, you know, so. Well, look, um, look.
1: So there's not. let me so, just say this. I agree. There's 9 million people in New York. You know, the, the, the idea that the government could help each and every one of us, you know, with every disaster is unrealistic. It just mm-hmm. is.
0: Well, and I think really it's, it's, our just realizing like, is it going to happen in your timeframe? You know, what discomforts are you going to go through till they figure that out? You know uh, who decides what, what rations and what, what's going to come to you? Like there's just so many different variables and I don't know if you don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't like being uncomfortable, you know, personally. So my ass is like, Oh, wow, things are going down in a weird way. I'm going to make sure I put certain things in place because I know I like to become a tourist, right? I like my comforts, and how do I actually best make sure that I have those comforts in place for me? So that's where I approached it from. Um, I have a question from somebody that I think is a good question. So, okay,
1: all right, it. okay, good. Okay. Um,
0: uh, so, how do we prep if we're not Mark Zuckerberg with a 700 acre compound in a small New York City uh, apartment uh, when a major disaster like Oh, wow, that's a really, okay, come on. You had to throw that one out there? <laughs> like, I yeah. made like a biological attack. Um, is leaving town the only option? You know, uh, I mean, I think that that's, can I just say, I don't necessarily know that that's, a, as far as is that the only option or not? We don't know. I think the key is, is that uh, if you're really yeah, going yeah. prepping, I think that, uh, that somebody like Anna would be ready to leave town if that's what it took. That's what I would say to that. Yeah, point. but you... Yeah.
1: Okay, here here's the thing. 40% of my neighborhood left. Mm-hmm. They're still gone with the pandemic. I didn't leave. I stayed. I'm a New Yorker. You know, I sheltered in place. I took a look, you know, um, at what I had available in my very small apartment, what I thought would be available to me. And when I say what I had available, I don't mean that I had, you know, a whole room of of, of supplies. It wasn't anything like that at all. You know, we had about, you know, two two weeks, Initially, you know, worth of, you know, worth, worth of, worth of food, and then we extended it to where we had, you know, I want to say, you know, around a month, and we did that in a New York apartment. Um, It wasn't anything that, you know, it wasn't like there were all these packages of rice and all these crazy things, but we had enough supplies. So I'm, I'm with you. Uh, When, when it comes to prepping, I think that there are two that that. You, you have wealthy preppers who do the Zuckerberg thing who have, you know, they're not just building a, a compound. Actually, it might be complete now at his home in California. He also has, you know, a compound in Hawaii. All of these very, you know, all these billionaire preppers have places that they can go. But when I think about prepping, I put all that aside because I think about what I need for my family, what I need for me, how we live our life, what matters to us. I'm never gonna have those things. And it's not that I'm being negative, it's not, you know, that's just not my world. So when I think about prepping, you know, I think about what matters to me, how I want to live my life and how I wanna live my life. is how I always live it as a New Yorker and my apartment, right? And, and, and going places and doing things. The biggest, the hardest thing I think for a lot of us with preppers as New Yorkers was not being able to go to public spaces. Not being able to go to parks originally. I mean, you could, but you know, parks, restaurants, get out in civic life, and in museums, and and enjoy and enjoy our friends. Um, there are lots of the the thing that I think is cool about New York preppers is that they were that they've learned how to prep, um, within the small smaller dwellings, like you've talked about. That's a real that's a real question. I mean, that that's very important, and it's and it's easy to do. There's no well, doubt about that. Mm-hmm, go ahead.
0: But if if something like this, if something were to happen where you couldn't stay, you are prepared to leave. You have absolutely. You have the ability to leave, even if uh, even if you have to walk out of the city. You actually have the supplies to be able to walk your ass over a bridge and out into nature and survive. Do you not?
1: Yes, I'll probably cry a whole hell of a lot, but yeah, man. I- <laughs> <laughs> I look and i have cried <laughs> yeah
0: a <But then>, lot <laughs> a lot but i just, <laughs> but I just think because i think the answer to the question is if you're really serious about that is that you know you get a tent you learn how to make a fire you you find ways to forge in the world and you realize like you know if it really was to go in that direction and you're not somebody who can have that compound and even listen you know if you have that compound and there's no way to know for sure that your compound isn't going to be in a place that's going to be targeted right so it's it's really knowing how to survive outside of all of those things at a certain yeah
1: time. and part of survival ace and i'm going to say this because this is something people don't really think about it's not just getting a bag it's making sure that your bag isn't too heavy that you know how to use the things in it That you can put it on your back and you have a plan for actually walking outside of the city in the event you cannot leave by car or by public transportation or by flying out
0: mm-hmm. And so
1: and that takes work.
0: And I have a question. Does that seem, uh, when you start thinking that way, right? When you're prepping that way, does it feel heavy? Does it feel fear-based or negative? Does it feel, where does it, where does it sit for you? I know oh, you can't speak be- for all preppers, but I'm asking no. for you.
1: No, that's a beautiful, you know what? That's a beautiful question because one of the things that um, in the beginning, you know, there was a, a, a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety, and a lot of it was because I didn't know how to do it. So, that's one of the reasons why these people have learned how to prep because they've been, you know, in really bad situations on September 11th or during Hurricane Sandy, and they thought, I, I got to figure out how to do this in case I, you know, in case I have to. So, for me, originally, I I was terrified now i think because i through this group have a sense of a sense of community and belief in the help of others and beliefs and the help that i can offer other people it's not as scary do i sit around you know dwelling on that no uh did i did i find that a lot of the people that i interviewed did that no you know it's it's it's, it's for, for many people this is also, you know, not just it's, it's, it's about preparation, but it's also community. And then it's also a lot of these people are type A, really super smart folks. And these are the kind of people that are like, well, you know what? Last time we had a blackout, we didn't have any electricity. Yeah, we had a flashlight. That was okay. But hey, you know what? I wonder if I could figure out how to build a generator. Let me try that. I mean, a lot of these people, you know, are, uh, you know, folks who are at the top of their game professionally. And are just like, I'm going for it. But yeah. it's an uncomfortable, it is a sad, it is a sad feeling, but I don't, I could do it, you know, but when I think about it, you're making me dig deep and I, and I appreciate it. Um, yeah. That's the thing about being a, fr- a friend with you. Asa, I think to hang with you, you have to be genuine. You got to put it out on the table. <laughs> you know, you really do. And look, and here here's my thing. That weird, uncomfortable feeling you're ta- that you're asking me about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I had that at the start of the pandemic. I think we all did. You yeah. know, are we gonna go? Or are we gonna leave? What's gonna happen? You know, and and so, yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember sitting in my apartment, right? And you don't you don't know, right? It's not like there's a clear you should leave, you should stay. This is what you do, like you know, there's, there's talking heads making, you know, comments and this one, you know, but even them, right. They can't agree. So, uh so it's really, you have to stop and connect in with you and say, what, what feels right for me. And, and as you say, what feels right for me and for my family, what is the best action that I'm going to take in this situation? You know? Yeah. Um Or you listen to your dreams. I listen, I woke up at eight o'clock in the morning. I knew what I was supposed to do. I, I had like a voice in my head and it was like, this is what you're going to do. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> uh, I listened, um, and it worked for me, you know. But I think uh, I think each one of us has to find that in ourselves.
1: Hey, Asa, um, I, I, have, uh, yes. I have a question for you about that. I'm sure. sorry. You no, know, it seems like I'm talking a lot. I'm right just. All right. So he, here's here's my question. So I know you know you woke up. You had that sense of you know from you know your guys, Okay, this is what I'm going to need to do. But did you have that sense? Oh, at some point. Like after you left or whatever, like, oh, I made the wrong decision. Or were you like, this is great. Because I faltered for a little bit with sheltering in place. I got worried. You know, like, oh, maybe this wasn't the best thing.
0: No. You know what? For me, it was, uh, so Michael and I flew in, I think it was March 14th or March 15th. I don't remember which day. But one of those, we flew into, back into New York City. We were in Virginia Beach because he had had his show there. Um, and uh as we were coming home we were both like oh i, I just can't wait to get home you know it mm-hmm. was like escalating i just can't wait to get home i just want to settle in you know i had already put some supplies in the house before i went to virginia just in case um you know like you i was sort of was a little early as i started to see things happening i started going let me just you know little by little you know instead of being a part of the mass wave i had enough toilet paper to get me through till about a couple of weeks ago and that was already in my house before everything happened because <laughs> I was like yep don't want to be out of that um anyway but uh so so we really were going home and and sort of resolved to be there uh and it was uh four or five days later it was the Friday after so whether we came home Sunday or Monday it was the Friday after that that I woke up and literally uh had a voice that said you know basically it told me I had two hours to to book a space or I wasn't going to be able to I literally, this is what I heard. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was like, Michael, we got to go to which is like, And of course, you know, his first reaction, well, you just told me that you were excited to get home and we're staying here and started to do all this stuff. What do you mean we're going? Um, and it's like, well, the voice, the voice is here. <laughs> um, and it was funny, because I went looking for for places, I went looking at Airbnbs, and they were all far too expensive uh, for mm-hmm. me. And, uh, and so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get a space. Um, and so I sort of, sat back down in my living room for a minute there with my coffee and was like you guys are screwing up over there because nothing's available unless you have another idea in mind in which case you need to be more specific Uh, and i kept drinking my coffee and then literally this person's face came in front of me who uh i had met at a party she was a friend of a friend's who up here in the rhinebeck area um and i was like oh yeah she told me about she has a, a cottage on her property and so i texted her and said you know you know, if you remember me, I met you at the party. You said to text you if I ever need a space. You know, uh, I'm looking to get out for some months out of the city. And she was like, Sure. Basically, yes. Here's what I'll charge you, right in line with what I said. The whole thing, like we sealed the deal. And then an hour later, she texts me, You're so fucking lucky. Somebody just reached out to me who has stayed here before, offered me twice my regular price. And wanted to book it for the next two months. It wouldn't have been available had it been another hour. She said, I'm saying no to them. Of course, I'm not going back on our deal, but it's all yours. So they were right. If it had been a couple of hours, it wouldn't have been available and I've been able to be up here. So but no, since we've been here, I don't think I ever thought we made a mistake. You know, it felt right. Um, but my leases also was up in the city. My apartment was uh, one that we moved into last minute a year ago because we had mold in our house. So it wasn't like we were in the apartment that we loved you know there wasn't as much attachment maybe as there would have been if it had been another year and a half before you know i had my own apartment that i owned on the airport side that i loved and that was home you know but this we had made it nice but it hadn't hadn't become home enough for me to feel that way so this felt great coming here Mm -hmm. yeah i mean the hard part is i miss you know I, i miss my city but i also think a lot of what i miss isn't happening there right now so
1: that's true that's true
0: you know and i'm not that far I've been in and out. Yeah. How yeah. has it been for you getting out of the city and going to Virginia Beach? Was you know, it odd was it? it think about
1: about being a New Yorker It's sort of like you, you know, I, yes I'm uh, I'm glad to be here I'm delighted to see my dad but I did have a sense of uh, um um like I was being disloyal by leaving. You know, like I was, you know, I had that uh, and that wasn't um yeah, I uh, we left for a, a couple of days during you know uh, during you know the looting and we came back and I felt you know I felt torn you know then too because I felt like you know what I I I believe in the city I am uh, I have a PhD in urban and public policy you know I live and breathe in New York and I, I've just I have I have. Just have the honor of having you know this this prepping group and all these independent preppers show me their way of knowing the world and I'm going to say hey man you know what I'm out mm-hmm. you know but so so I wanted to shelter in place because as you know one of the one of the the uh, uh, preppers said to me um, or I guess to to the, to me and then also later to the group he said look you know we we've all trained for this. We already know about sheltering in place. We already have our masks. We already have everything we need. We're good to go. So now let's try to figure out how to, ma- how to help our neighbors. And when he said that, you know, it really it really struck me because I'm all about urban citizenship. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm an angel. But, you know, one of the privileges I think that I have about teaching at Queens College is, that, um, is our, um, our school motto we learn so that we may serve mm, and, and yeah. it, it, that's that's me you know i mean like i said you know i'm you know i'm no saint you know and you know i try my best but i just so i guess your point is i really have an, uh you know a, a great time seeing my dad um we even bought and and, and, it, and it's it's an adult size inflatable pool for my dad's backyard <laughs> We're having, we're having <laughs> like a, a blast and, but you know, were, we're riding our bikes and stuff. But yeah, I do feel, you know, kind of guilty. And I also feel less safe too, because I think that as much as we complain, you know, about people not being obedient, and as much trouble we are ASA with, you know, we always get in with in trouble with the governor. I think that we're really engaging in social distancing and wearing masks and, you know, practicing, you know, you know, good hygiene practices, Uh the overall in new york
0: parts.
1: city much more disciplined much more disciplined yeah
0: yeah yeah i've seen back and forth it depends when i've been in the city i've seen areas where i feel like it's been very good there's moments in the park where i think it's been uh where i've seen people sort of in the a middle
1: shake you, yeah, yeah yeah a little shake yeah
0: when i've been in the park in there Um, And I love this, by the way, because you talked about one of the things you and I've talked about before is community resilience, you know, and uh, and part of like there's prepping and there's taking care of yourself, but then there's also the community, right, and leaning in on the community and and supporting one another and the importance of that. Um, You know, as a matter of fact, I mean, you know. You talked about your prepping community, but maybe it's also a good idea for people to to create community among themselves to support one another when these things are happening, if they happen. Well, yeah,
1: like our apartment building um, um, had a Facebook page where you could, you know, so that we could reach out and make sure that the people who were still in the building, if anybody needed help or, you know, if someone had resources or, you know, things like that. And also, you know, with with the preppers, they set up um, not just within, you know, a prepping group. But form networks with people for exchanging information, exchanging resources, you know, and, and you know, and trying to help, you know, trying to help one another, and that's just, you know, I think that's just, um, you know, being a good neighbor. You know, my dad has really benefited here in Virginia from, you know, his his network of 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 uh, old retired bachelor sailors. <laughs> pretty, they've, they've been pretty awesome.
0: That's great. It's, they, what, it's uh,
1: what we've been doing, you know, all of our work, you know, when I say work, all of our community, if we all didn't have that, uh, you know, that's what grounded us.
0: Well, ground us. I, well, I think that's why I really, like you were talking about staying in New York or not, I think everybody has to find what's right for them. I mean, I really feel like I've been able to lean in the most for my community by t- doing certain things that I knew I needed to do that would keep me in a good place to be able to get back in the way that I do. You know, we have to find yeah. what is it that we have to offer and how do we lean in with that? you know, that's, that's like big time. Um, I want to circle back to a couple things. things. Uh, number one, you know, I don't know that we uh, ever talked about this. So like people who are interested in learning more about prepping, where do they go? You know, where do they start? Uh, obviously your book, which we'll go back to in a second, but also like group wise, um, any recommendations?
1: Okay. Well, well the, the advice that I have for New Yorkers is that that they're, they're um, two groups that well, for, for, for people who live in the city, there's the New York City Preparators Network, and they're interesting because they're, um, they are about teaching people, you know, people are the, you know, from at the beginning, you know, at the beginner level, and then also working with people who are advanced. They have a range of programs, everything from class, uh, you know, from, from, uh, lectures, um, to, uh, intensive outdoor excursions. You can also find so a lot on the on the internet too.
0: That's the New York City Prep Group.
1: Yeah, the New York City Preppers Network, and then there is also um, Urban and Outdoors Survival, which um, is uh, a second great resource, which is a terrific resource too. Uh, a group, um, and uh, they provide a lot of training, and they're based, um, I think, um, actually in New Jersey. And they're, yeah. they're they're a good they're a good group as a good group as well.
0: And if you're not in New York City area, you're saying Google preppers in your area, and there's probably a group around, or do you think um, it's very, no, that's the, or? A, oh,
1: no. Well, the advice that I would have um, would be uh, for you first to check if there's a group available. Um, uh, there may or may there may or may not be. Um, I would suggest that if there are um, different blogs that you can take a look at. You can take a look at uh, different guidebooks on Amazon to try to figure out what it is that you need to know. There's a great, um, uh, website that have for prepping gear, um, that actually has a booklet that they can send to you that gives you a really good overview. Um, and it's called, um, uh, ready to go survival.
0: This is online.
1: Yeah. mm -hmm. And I think I might just, yeah, yeah, I think it's ready to go survival. And it's a it's a prepping gear website, and uh, my friend Roman owns it, and he is just a really knowledgeable, kind, and and thoughtful person.
0: Cool, I yeah. um, and so in your book, can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know, what do we get? What are we learning from your book, Anna? What do we learn okay. in the you know where Hang do on. we start in the first chapter, and where do we yeah. to end in the last chapter?
1: Okay. All right, let me make sure yeah. this is that Romans get because I would hate to do a disservice. Yeah, uh, Ready to Go Survival. It's a terrific website. They sell all sorts of things. Great. Um, it, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Okay, so that's Roman's site. So with, with with my book, um, I'm a little bit shy. <laughs> give me a minute. So here's what I love about okay. my book. Okay, I love, the thing that I love about my book is that we start off by taking a look at um, America in general and the first chapter? And then we focus specifically on New York, trying to take a look at why um, a city like New York, why city dwellers, um not just New Yorkers, would be interested in prepping. And then from there, I take a look at I, t- I take you on a journey of all the different types of, of preppers. And what I mean is I share my firsthand experience of being with, of, of, of learning from a group of, of dedicated preppers um, for two years. I also show you the flip side um, from, let's say, ordinary, ordinary preppers to um, interviews that I've conducted with um, uh, what we call HNW preppers, high net worth preppers and trying to take a look at their their plans, which which normally involve um, a, a having a safe room, escaping to a safe room or to a exotic destination. And it's interesting when you think about that, because there's some arguments to be made and, and some people have raised this argument that that kind of prepping, you're sort of opting out of the collective experience and helping one another if you just remove yourself, right? And uh, yeah, so I think that, I think it's a, it's it's a fun read. I think that um, uh, in it, I talk about all different types of experiences. You know, I, I discuss different strategies, you know, what goes in a bug out bag. I think it's a meaningful read for, for um, regular people. It's not a, it's not a how-to manual. It's more about reflections and experience and trying to think about how we go forward as Americans and why New Yorkers now, I think, need to have both street smarts and survival smarts.
0: And then, uh, so with with because uh, you alluded to this a couple of times in different ways, you know, uh, is being there for your community, not bugging out, and being prepared to show up for your neighbor, like an important part of Oh, you know
1: what? But that, yeah, that's an important that's an important point. Here's one of the things that that really surprised me. You know, I thought that a lot of you know. Uh, I shouldn't, uh, if I hadn't known them, it would have surprised me. Um, You would expect that a lot of preppers just bugged out, but they didn't. A lot of people sheltered in place, one, because they were prepared to do it, and also, you know, so they could could serve as, as community resources, you know, which they certainly did. Here's, you know, here's the thing about the idea of bugging out. And this goes along with the stereotype of people thinking that preppers are always these isolated, you know, alienated individuals. When people make buggy bug out plans, it's not just usually with their family. They usually have plans to go to stay with a family or friend or more importantly, they have, you know, a, a safe house or a place arranged where a group of people will meet together, not just their family. So again, it's always community. And that was a big surprise for me, you know, because I thought that it would be a group because the group that I studied with practiced together and trained together. And then some of them um, have made the decision that in the event, you know, that they they will survive together. And it's worth noting that, you know, when it came to this pandemic, you know, almost every prepper, you know, that, that I interviewed reached out to me to ask to make sure that, you know to basically see if i needed any help
0: wow that's great yeah yeah i love that so you've stayed that was going to be my next question have you been have you talked to your fellow preppers and been oh yeah
1: this, yeah so. absolutely because i want to see you know what so you know they've been preparing you know for years now uh, for something like a pandemic so i want to figure out how people you know what people did their do's and don'ts what did they learn what do they need to learn what did they do really well what do they need to do differently, and what do they need to learn? That's the next. That's did the next you have, step uh, there.
0: Did you have masks and gloves and things already in your in your house before all of this? Were you ready to go?
1: Absolutely, yeah, Scott, yeah, absolutely. Be you what know, about hand sanitizer? Yeah, but not as much. But you know what? They held a cool meeting and taught people how to make that. I yeah. had, but you know, I had. You know, uh, um, we we had our mask and things, and Scott actually started flying. Um, uh, uh to la in january with his n95 oh yeah because we were like "Pooh, yeah yeah so we were already you know we were already ready
0: anything that uh was absolutely useless that you had in your storage box i mean not obviously you, didn't, you weren't pulling out your tent during this but that's for that's not necessarily that it's useless <laughs> that wasn't necessarily right. serving in this but was there anything that you were like oh yeah probably didn't need to have that
1: well, sheltering in place is different from what's in your bug out bag. Your bug out bag is for outdoors and outside. Um, your prepper's closet is for sheltering in place. And if mm-hmm. I sound like a nerd, I guess I am. <laughs>
0: I, the love, I love the separation. That's really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah that's shelter. the thing. To, have your in you know, place closet and your bug out bag over there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, we you know we, we, we were good. Was there anything that you know we were really out of? I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just the, you know, it's just, just the two of us, you know, so we didn't really, you know, we really didn't run low on, you know, on, on anything we could always buy, you know, we would, you know, we could always buy more. And a lot of people think, you know, preppers are hoarders and they stockpile and things like that. I don't, you know, I think that they have like two weeks supply or, or however long they feel they need to have it. But I don't think, you know, they're not the people out in the Costco lines, you know, Filling up their thing and you know banging into folks.
0: Yeah, um, no, I was, I, I, I'm pre the Costco lines. I start early, but I am yeah. a little order around the dog supplies. My dogs get oh yeah. or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Supplies. I start. We start stocking up early. Michael and I were like, okay, wait, let's start filling the closet. You know, we'll figure out what we'll eat, but we have to make sure we have their food. <laughs> and
1: that's because you love them. That's super. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's super sweet. Oh, you know what? I want to put in a plug. Hold on, let me turn this around. When I say a plug. Because when we're talking about things of what we do about sheltering in place and what we think about i'm old school because i actually have a hard copy but for people who haven't checked it one of the things that i think has been an outstanding go-to for sheltering in place has been the at home section of the new york times because it has so much information everything you know about everything from cooking to to things on netflix to virtual museums um ex- exhibition exhibits all sorts of things it's really rich these games you could play, all the different types of experiences. So I think that uh, if you haven't if you're not already checking that out, I think that you should. They even did a great thing on how to give yourself a haircut. I didn't do it. Oh, that's another thing. Hold on. You want to say what was a prepping don't, Asa? They need to teach people how to do highlights because I was looking rough. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that's what we need. We need they need a whole lecture on like how to cut and color hair.
0: I feel like when i do my last episode of this series I, next week i have another guest but the week after will be sort of my wrap up and uh i feel like i need to get a picture of my hair through the last few months yeah. i have not cut it um it looks like i have i've styled it different ways but i have not cut it <laughs> well. um hey since you pulled out you know that from behind you talk to me about those books is that are those i mean is it just a prop yeah. or is that something no, No, no. I,
1: I don't i don't know for those who, who read my bio i put in there and i don't know if you do this, but i totally do whenever there's someone on television there in front of their bookshelf i always like i'm obsessed with what what people's books are what they're reading their antiques and all of this and that so i brought these with me because i um these are um i wanted to share with you um so uh, um the answer to an important question that I asked people. The question that I asked people for this book, um, one, of, one of the best questions um, was that if you could only take one book with you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one book, and this would be like the book, what would it be? And I had basically, there were three books that were that people often reference. Um, so it was one of the three. So I wanted to share what, what these are. So I'm, I have a stack over here. And it's pretty, it's pretty funny. And I wonder if anybody already spied and tried to read my titles like I do. I think the person that has an interesting one is uh, Prince Charles, whenever he's on, he always has always these equestrian murder mystery books and things. So here's what, here's a book that was pretty common. People chose the Bible. That was a book that they would leave with. uh, The Bible um, uh, are another important religious text. You know, depending on their particular religion, religion, it was always their their main test, not always. Pretty often. Here's the one, and I apologize because I don't have an anthology. Here's the one that a lot of people chose, and um, I chose it too. Um, if you can see this, I have Hamlet, I have Romeo and Juliet, I have Henry V, and then um, I have Macbeth. A lot of people, cho- um, a lot of people said they wanted um, that they would bring uh, the collected works of Shakespeare. Wow. Because they'd never get tired of reading it. And I think that they're right. I think that they're right. Because remember, it's not just plays, it's sonnets too, right? And then other, and then one person, uh, one of my best friends said something really funny. He said, all right, well, while you read your Shakespeare and you wax poetic about how you're dying, the thing that I'm going to bring with me is the physician's desk reference so I can figure out how I'm going to keep living. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny, and that wasn't even a prepper that said that. So, as a nod to that, I I I have here a first uh, uh, a detailed first aid manual um, because I couldn't find a a physician a physician's desk reference in the middle of the pandemic at my local Barnes and Noble here in Virginia. So anyway, so those were the top three things that people chose, and I think, given you know the presidency right now, we might, we might want to add the DSM, you know, the uh, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, right, for <laughs> psychologists. Anyway, whatever. So those those were the top three.
0: Uh, that's great. So wait, Shakespeare. Uh, we had Shakespeare. Shakespeare.
1: The Bible, Shakespeare, and the Physician's Desk Reference. Um, My friend said it as a joke, but other people mentioned it too. Those were the top three. So
0: now after hearing those three, would you change yours or would you stick with Shakespeare? Shakespeare. All right, (laughs) you go. Um, Okay, Uh, I've got just a couple more things and we're gonna wrap up. uh, But I did wanna, somebody else asked another question and I just thought I'll I'll get to that before I go back to where I wanna go, uh, which is um, how has this experience of the pandemic uh, change your life going forward. Um, for example, would you uh, will you eat out as much? You know, will you be out back out to the restaurants and things like that? Or you know, I guess they're asking, will you eat out as much? My question is both. Like, how quickly are you back in the restaurants? And then also, you know, will this change how often you eat out once things, you know, if things were to return to normal? So I'll ask both both ways. Uh,
1: oh, we did order. Uh, about a month, month and a half into the pandemic, we sometimes did order in, but by then we were already eating. So, my, my, let me back up and and, and and again be truthful. Before the pandemic, seamless all the time. Okay, I would I'm ordering seamless, eating out, going into restaurants. Sometimes we would eat out three times a day. You know, mm-hmm. we dinks. We can do that, right? And and I enjoy Yorkers. it, loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Yorkers. But the trouble is now when I order takeout, it doesn't taste as good. You know what? We've become better cooks, you know, and we also aren't as, aren't, you know, a little bit concerned, you know, about what we're, you know, we're trying to support, you know, our, our local restaurants for sure. But, you know, I think now it just doesn't taste as good now in terms of restaurants. Um, that's a fantastic question because again, I'm a social person. I love restaurants. Um, the, the day before, uh, well, yeah. Anyway, I love restaurants, and so so the point is, I can eat. I can go to restaurants here, but I'm not. I'm not doing it. I think it'll be a really long time before I eat inside. I'll 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 have a drink and maybe you know uh, 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 a meal out on out in you know outdoors, but I won't eat inside a restaurant. No.
0: So you will go. I'm
1: sorry to say that.
0: If there's oh, outdoor seating, you'll uh if there's outdoor seating and stuff you will patron a restaurant at this time you would consider it
1: yeah I have but yeah I I, I have but um, I felt it's a trade-off I felt a little bit panicky after and I guess other you know other people did you know other people did too you know I think Paul Krugman also wrote a really beautiful piece in the New York Times which is tragic tragic and talking about how Basically, we sold out the future of our, our children and, in exchange for a drink. And then he talked about, you know, reopening restaurants and things too too early.
0: Wow! So he thinks that's opened up too early. I didn't read this piece.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a pow- it's a powerful piece. But having said that, there were many times during the pandemic when I, you know, I went to my local and got a margarita to go.
0: Mm-hmm. you know that's that's how i how in i roll <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well you gotta fulfill that mexican blood <laughs> i
1: can't help it man i can't help it but um yeah so that's a good that's a tough one right that's a tough one i think it's, it's gonna a be a personal. really long time before i eat inside a
0: restaurant it's so personal and and uh you know i've been very impressed with people who were were ordering in really early on um you know, and, and as opposed to people who are absolutely not at all. And it's, it's been, you know, there's a, it's a wide gamut out there as far as yeah, well, opinions and ideas on what to do. And I think also, I think a lot of people don't really know what they're going to feel till they get there. There's definitely those people that are out partying and don't care, I mean, yeah, we, we yeah. That, you know, but I think there's a larger percentage of the population that's trying to figure out what feels right for them and what, what's the right way to go.
1: Yeah. but. We we spent some of uh, one that, you know, thanks to, you know, the New York Times, that was a reference to um, the Bon Appetit um, uh, channel uh, on YouTube and all these interesting videos they were showing. So we started watching them and, you know, they taught us how to become better cooked. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I've been having you know. fun cooking. I love to cook anyway, but I have come up with a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, okay. I have uh, one more direction I want to go in, uh, okay. which is... Uh, so spirituality, uh, you know, meditation, whatever you want to call it, you know, being connected. You know, I know that, that, uh, uh, that, you know, feeling connected and connected to this, your spiritual path or, you know, your spirit energy is really important to you. And I want to know through this, have you been able to maintain any type of practice, you know, and has that been important to you?
1: I wouldn't say that it's been important. I would say that it's been life saving. Absolutely. Wow. Meditation, without a doubt, um, the grounding uh, techniques that you that you have taught me for sure, because I don't care how many years I would have studied prepping. I don't care how many, you know, the person that I am, sometimes panic did set in and also being an empath, the, uh, the, 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 the weight of the city, the sense of loss, the, the, the agony and anxiety that people have had during this process weighed very heavily on me. So I needed that. And one of the things that people don't really think about when it comes to prepping is that they're also, you know, have uh, um, many preppers also have these same practices to try to help keep them grounded. Because the idea is, if you know, you're grounded, you're, you're, you're less anxious, right? You're able to focus in uh, an extremely what? stressful situation
0: or at but, least more, you know, redirect right like it's yeah. you know, okay we get anxious you know the idea you know it happens you know but it's staying connected with our energy and in uh, keeping the agility you know within our consciousness to be able to adjust and move as we need to even while being uncomfortable even while going through the discomfort it actually circles us right back to where uh we started when you talked about you know so much of prepping is about getting comfortable in uh, the discomfort. I think also, I said immediately after, you know, meditating and, and becoming more aligned and connected spiritually, same thing, in a different way. So.
1: No, I, I, I don't think, I, I, I man, I, I felt like such a, you know, e- even though, you know, I was prepared, but, but, but such fear and, 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 and you know, a, a sense of, a sense of loss for my city. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you, you know, when you took a walk in some areas, you know, you know, if you were able to, or you would see on the news, you know, the eighteen wheelers, you know, the you know that were, you know, we're we're serving as morgue's and, and and other things. I mean, you you need spirituality, you know, because and during a uh, during a disaster like a, a pandemic, you know, you you know, when you when you turn inward, you, there has to be something to turn to, right? You you have to have uh I, I don't want to say he uh, healed heart and it's not, it's not open heart isn't the right word, but you have to have that sense of spirituality, that sense of faith, that sense of, 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 of belief in, in a higher being and a belief in others and a belief in self, you know, sometimes just to get up and get fucking dressed, you know, <laughs> excuse my language, but you know, no. I, I, if you, if you don't have that, you, you don't have anything and the most remarkable thing for me is the moments during this and this this pandemic and exchanges that I have had with students and with with even my and my family members and and neighbors you know I wouldn't have been able to find those moments of of grace without it Mm,
0: those moments of grace wow everything you said was so beautiful I'm so glad I asked the question so right on
1: It's true. I'm telling you, you know, whatever everybody, whatever, you know, whatever ground you, whatever gets, you know, whatever good thing gets you through this, you know, lean on it, rely on it, cultivate it, honor it, because we're going to need it, you know, for some time now, not just, you know, I say we're maybe halfway through. I'm not being, you know, I'm, you know, again, not a public health ex- expert, but I'm just saying I just feel like we're at the halfway point and we're all thinking that we're all working towards re emerging, but just, you know.
0: Yeah, I think we're halfway through at best. Uh, yeah. And and, uh, and I love what you said. I, I'm just going to really reiterate that, which is to cultivate it, you know, um, cultivate a practice. You know, if you, if you haven't had a practice, but you already have a belief or an idea, begin to cultivate a practice, build a living relationship with whatever your spiritual pathway is, a living relationship, one where you actually embody it and walk with it on a daily basis, because it really can be all the difference in the world um, in getting up, as you say, and, you know, Getting into the fucking shower or whatever, whatever that fuck was that you had put in there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I promised
1: myself I wasn't going to say that word, and I did. I oh, apologize, on, everyone. On every, but
0: on every episode, we've had at least one fuck. <laughs> we've had a couple. <laughs> sorry. Of yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's so important. I'm glad I asked the question because, you know, to me, obviously, you know, you know, I it's, it's been the orientation of my life, you know, uh, and so everything else sort of spans from that. Um, so it's really nice to hear, you know, your reflection on it. Uh, Wonderful. Um, the book, uh, I believe, okay, let's just circle here. Uh, the academic book is like mega expensive, right? Like it's an academic book and they're, they're, they're generally outrageously, uh, expensive as I remember. So am I correct? It's outrageously expensive.
1: Here's the thing. Wait,
0: wait. Is, is the ahead. academic book? No, no, answer my question. Don't go off on you're good at going off. Wait is stay with me for a minute. Is the academic book really expensive? The actual uh, the actual physical copy that's out there. Yes. <laughs> Over hundred dollars. Yep. <laughs> okay. And then there's a digital copy now that's that's been released, I believe, today. Right? It's available
1: now. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And is that on Amazon?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, and then, you know, for all I know, Michael might have already helped me and posted this for you guys, but uh, in case not, Amazon, what is it? A uh, Bracing for the Apocalypse, uh, Anna Bounds. Now you can say whatever you want to say, but I just had to get through this, like, because I just, it's so, so shocking how expensive these academic books well, are. Well, yeah.
1: Academic books are, are really expensive because the idea is that institutions purchase them. So they only purchase, like, a library, one copy. For thousands of people, right? right? So it's much higher, but I've written a, a, a crossover book, not just a book that's for, you know, for scholars and researchers. Um, so, um, the, pap- the paperback is not yet available. Um, what's that that won't come out, I think, for about another eight months or so, eight months to a year. But what's available right now is the Kindle version, the ebook version. You can read it on, I'm saying the Kindle version, but it's the ebook. Um, and that's for, you know, the regular ebook price. So is, you know, and as I, you know, I, you know, I'd love for you to read it. Um, I would um, love for oh, you, you, uh, for people who are interested in prepping or maybe have some questions or want to, you know, connect with me. Maybe you're someone who, who, who you're trying to figure out how to shelter in place in your New York apartment or you just want some sources. Feel free to reach out to me. You can go to AnnaMariaBounds.org. Um, it has all my contact information and information about the book, you know, and, and 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 all of that. Because one of the things that I I would love to continue the experience of helping you figure out how to prepare up and how to protect your family, or even if you have just some questions, you know, so just some general questions about this, I'd you know, really love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out. That's
0: great. Anna, thank you so much. I really agree thank you. With- Uh, Suzanne, who said here that this has been a terrific conversation and thanking you, uh, Professor Bounds. So, uh, you know, thank you, Professor Bounds, for being here tonight with me. Um, Yes, she is the best. (laughs) You're getting (laughs) praised now in the chat. (laughs) You are the best. Uh, And I knew that already. I've known Anna. God, it's been like 15 years or something, hasn't it? That you and I have- Yeah, it's uh, been a
1: long time, brother. We've been, been we have been through it.
0: Been a long time. So you know, I've moved several times since and That's how I know I count houses.
1: <laughs> hey, Asa, I believe yeah. in your song. You're you're doing something amazing here.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know what? It's uh it's what I felt like uh I needed to do. You know, I woke up and this was my way of leaning in was uh I'm about community and I have a large extended community, people that I'm feel very connected to that maybe. Aren't really a part of my everyday life, but uh, but you know, with what I do in my work, people come and sit in that room with me, and it's an intimate connection. You know, there is there is, uh, I I feel like I share love, you know, a really special, sacred form of love with each and every person who's ever sat in that chair across from me, uh, and that's that's several thousand people. So I just thought, well, you know, how do I lean it? And uh, and so this was one of the ways that I could, and and I could pick from those people and say, like. You know, I mean, there's so many. I want to share everybody with everybody because I think they're all amazing. <laughs> uh, but pick from them and say, like, you know, who might be resourceful at this time and, and somebody interesting to listen to. So, and you're one of them, Anna. So, thank you again. I loved for having the honor. you. It's been a lot of fun. I love your that's set fun. back there, by the way. Love the orchids. Awesome. Between two
1: orchids, like between two ferns. That's yeah. that's
0: <laughs> <actually>.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks so much, everyone. Again, reach out if you'd like to. Please, everybody, be safe. Okay, take
0: care. Bye.